Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Whether you love them or avoid them at all costs, ghost stories are powerful. Even if we're old enough to know better than to check the closet or under the bed, But there is a Holy Ghost who does exist, fully God and all-powerful. He works through Christians all over the planet. Yes, sadly, Christians often seek to be known more for their talent and intellect rather than any supernatural power. Could it be that we've forgotten the one who sets us apart from every other worldview? It's time to tell some ghost stories. Hey, welcome back to week three of our series, Ghost Stories. Uh, If this is your first time joining us this series, you can catch up online. Uh, But as a quick recap, in week one, we found that when it comes to the Christian faith, the thing that distinguishes us from every other worldview on the planet is not our intellect or talent, uh, but the spirit of God who dwells within us. Uh, that whilst you might be exploring faith or holding on to faith for a whole bunch of different reasons, uh, whether that be moral teaching or a good way to bring up your kids, um, or whether you just come along and find it fun or watch online and find it fun, there are a whole um, bunch of things that offer good things. But when it comes to Christianity, Jesus offers something more. He offers power. Uh, Not that can be abused or can be boasted about, uh, but the same power that rose Jesus from the dead and played a part in the building of creation and the foundation of the world. That you and I can have access to through God's personal presence that dwells amongst us that we call the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And it sounds mysterious and, um, and that's fine and it probably causes some questions and that's okay, that's why we're here. Um, because if there wasn't any mystery or things that we didn't understand about God, uh, then, well, he'd be way too small. In fact, in week two, Steve shared a story of how the Spirit came in such an extraordinary event um, that was filled with so much mystery that the first sermon that the church ever gave started with a declaration that said, listen, we're not drunk. Uh, But in these five weeks, we're going to be telling some ghost stories, stories about the Holy Ghost who distinguishes us and changed people 2000 years ago and continues to do so today. So today I want to start by asking perhaps the most controversial question I've ever started a message with in any talk that I've ever given. Brace yourself. Don't, I've warned you, don't write me an email to complain. Now I know it's October, but I want to ask, how ready are you for Christmas? Now, some of you right now, you're thinking about switching off. Please don't. Just bear with me a second. I know uh, that uh, when you see the stuff in the shops and the ads on TV, uh, or if you've here heard any Christmas music already, it angers you to your very core. Uh, but for others of you, you are already Christmas ready. Christmas shopping. You've already listened to Christmas songs or watched a Christmas movie. Uh, my friend Joe, who cuts my hair, uh, said that it was in September when his girlfriend asked him if he was in the mood for a Christmas movie September and he said that it was almost at that point that he broke up with her then and there 
In fact, why not right now, just put in the chat where you're watching, what date do you think it's okay to start listening to Christmas songs or thinking about Christmas? Now, the reason I ask this is that I know people who are just amazing when it comes to Christmas mainly because they're amazing gift givers. They're already getting organized. In fact, whilst Christmas is their A game, um, genuinely, uh, generally it comes out that they're just brilliant gift givers. Uh, maybe you know people like this. Uh, like every opportunity to give a gift is an opportunity, not necessarily to just to spend, uh, but to create and design and develop something that speaks to the heart of the person that they want to show affection to. Uh, for me, I'm not actually like this. I'm very last minute and probably a little bit generic with the gifts that I give. Uh, but I know some people who it seems like it's just deeply built into them, the desire to give good gifts. Uh, my friend Dave's great at this. For my birthday last year, uh, he remembered like a documentary that we watched about space exploration and Mars. We watched randomly months before, which we both sort of nerded out over and loved. Um, and I know it sounds like really sort of nerdy and stuff like that, but he bought me this book uh, that was mentioned briefly in the documentary. And you'll probably just be thinking that sounds lame, but for me it was awesome, the fact he remembered this. My sister too is an amazing gift giver. Whilst me and my brother have just been known for wrapping up Christmas presents in tinfoil, she'll always make it look amazing and it'll just be um, just like the super personal. In fact, a few Christmases ago, uh, she went to the Lego store in London and custom built me into a Lego man character and framed it into this picture of me doing cool stuff. She'd made me a few of them, here I'm eating pizza. I also have a friend called Sarah who takes gift giving uh, and birthday parties just to an amazing level. Uh, in fact, this year, my friend Mills and a whole group of us just decided that it was time to return the favor to her just because she's always uh, just over and above in the gifts that she gives. And so for about 30 of us, we all sort of clubbed together uh, to get the top of the range Christmas aid of her dreams. I mean, this is the thing that she'd been wanting for so, so long. And this was her reaction. There's something profoundly endearing about gift giving because it says something. It says, I see you, I know you, I want you to know that I see you and know you, and I want your life to be better. I see you, I know you, I want you to know that I see you and know you, and I want your life to be better. I saw this thing and it made me think of you and who you are and what you were like and that time that we spent together doing those things and the passions that you have. And so at my own cost, I got this for you so that you could have it, you could own it, you can use it. Good gifts say, I see you, I know you, and I want you to know that I see you and I know you, and I want your life to be better. I wonder right now if you've ever had something that was given to you that has a story behind it that's just so important and precious uh, that what it actually is actually pales into insignificance in comparison to the story and the relationship that goes on behind it. That the object is actually just a vessel, a vessel to signify something uh, that whilst is invisible is actually more real than the thing itself. Uh, the reason that the thought Oh, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, the reason. Let's go from there. That's great.
You know, the reason that the very thought of that thing being broken or stolen or lost is so painful is not because of what that thing necessarily is, but because of what it symbolizes, that it's just so much more important. And you might by now be thinking, why am I talking so much about gift giving? Uh, I know that gifts are good, you might be thinking. I know that warm feeling of being seen and known. I know that. But when it comes to faith and the image of God that you've heard uh, or perhaps heard of God, do you feel the same kind of things that you feel when you receive those gifts? When it comes to the moment just after you've unwrapped something and you just instantly know it's so precious and you actually feel awkward and disarmed and perhaps even insecure by the affection that someone else has shown you. Does that feeling ever come across your mind when it comes to the relationship with God or what a relationship with God could look like? Because here's the thing, for many of us, that feeling of being seen and known and the feeling that we associate with God are just distant things. In fact, this feeling that some of you might associate with God might actually even be the opposite. That out there somewhere is an authority and he only sees me because he sees everyone. He only knows me because he knows everything. And I'm not sure if he wants my life to be better, but maybe it will be better if I do better. And if there is one thing that I wouldn't want you to realize today, that if, there, um, that if that is at all reflective of the God that you might have even accidentally fallen into believing in, that isn't who Jesus was. And it's not who he experienced through the Holy Spirit. I mean, the disciples of Jesus were told this and experienced this by Jesus himself. I mean, they come to him one day and just sort of say, hey, Jesus, how do we pray? How do we approach God? How do we get on his right side? How do we request from God? And Jesus says to them um, with a uh, sort of a variation of a prayer that they would have already known and already prayed regularly, known to them at that time as the Amidah prayer. Uh, to you and I, it would be like the Lord's prayer. But basically he was just saying, Pray how you know how to pray, simply, in a means that you know how. But then he tells them this. He says, listen, you fathers, if you ask your children for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if you ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course you don't. In other words, you know how to give good gifts. You know that a gift communicates something, that I see you, that I know you, that I want you to know that I see you and know you and I want your life to be better for it. So if you sinful people, if you people who get things wrong, you and me, and think how am I uh, supposed to as a parent properly care for someone um, where there's no handbook and I know my own faults and my own weaknesses and shortfalls. Jesus is saying, listen, if you guys, if you people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And right here is the game changer. This right here, again, is Jesus reminding his followers that the distinguishing factor about who they are is not a tradition, even though traditions can be good. It's not a special set of words that, get, uh, that gets things right. It's not an attitude that tries to bargain with God, who only knows me because he knows everything, loves me because he loves everyone and makes my life better if I act as best I can. The distinguishing factor within the people of the church that follows Jesus is the presence that is willingly given, given by a father who looks at you and who's made you and knows you and sees you and wants to draw close to you. 
This is not a magic formula that you can just access because you came to church and found out uh, that you can say the right words. This is a promise of a willing, personal presence, a gift that is so personal that it should leave us as if we've just opened up the wrapping on something that we can't possibly replace and just sort of think, shut up, you didn't just do this. You know, one of the first times I saw this was when I was 14 years old. Uh, as many of you may who have been watching online too, uh, I went on a trip with my church uh, to a summer festival called Soul Survivor. Tens of thousands of young people from across the country coming together, making the intentional and deliberate space to meet with God. Uh, and one of the things that I saw on my first evening is these thousands of people were gathered together. We stood together uh, and things kind of went quiet. And slowly, at first, the Spirit of God started to meet with people in the room. And it was kind of scary at first because I had no idea what was going on. I hadn't really seen anything like this on this magnitude before uh, of uh, people who, who, for all intensive purposes, looked quite normal. They started to show some, like, overwhelming emotion. And the cynical part of me just wondered if they were faking or if the lights and the music had made an environment uh, that they'd just been fooled into it. But as the week went on, the more I saw, the more experienced for myself, I just couldn't deny what I was seeing, that something supernatural was going on. That God, through his Holy Spirit, was meeting with people. And there was just this overwhelming sense of emotion for people. Tears for those who have just hated themselves and been trapped by depression and self-harm. Moans of those who had just uh, for years believed lies about themselves. Tears of those who'd been overwhelmed with peace. Belly laughs for those who'd been overwhelmed with joy. Personal moments. And as the week went on, the tears and the screams just grew less and less and the laughs and the tears of peace increased and the Spirit of God met personally with people who had come looking for him. And I believe today that God wants to meet with you personally. I believe that today someone needs to hear this. I see you, I know you, and I want you to know that I see you and know you and I want your life to be better. And you have a choice to receive but you don't have to. But if you want to, you can. You know, that as the early church experienced this for themselves, they wrote and taught others about the personal nature of how the Holy Spirit wants to meet with people. Um, they told and experienced these Holy Ghost stories of their own. And Paul, who had experienced the risen Jesus and experienced the Holy Spirit for himself, wrote to a church in Corinth all about this. He says this, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, I don't want you to live your life as normal, not knowing what's on offer. He says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. In other words, the Holy Spirit, the personal presence of God, wants something personal for you. A gift that represents a seeing and a knowing of you, something different from other people. And so he carries on. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that same one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between different spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. 
and to still another to interpret of those tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same Holy Spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. You know, I have friends who have been given spiritual gifts of healing. Uh, my friend Seb, I've gone on walks with him and he'll just stop in the street and speak to strangers who turn out, uh, it turns out they just have illnesses and condition and Seb prays for them and they literally get healed on the street then and there. I just haven't seen anything else like it before. I have friends uh, who have the gift of prophecy who after praying just know things that they just couldn't possibly know otherwise. I have friends with the spiritual gift of hospitality where in everything they do, they have the capability of allowing strangers to feel like long friends. I've experienced the benefits of one of my closest friends who has the spiritual gift of wisdom, uh, who has the capacity to see things in the light and in like an immediacy that just consistently brings me peace uh, and advice that can take, uh, that can be taken with joy rather than like a bitter medicine. Much of the time, it is so closely in touch with the existing personalities that it's like a re-energizing and a re-emphasizing of what they do in a way that transcends what they could do by themselves. Other times, the gifts of the spirit are like hilariously different to what you would expect of that person. But in all cases, they are gifts that grow and contribute to being able to partner with God who loves you to put a broken world back together, to put people's broken worlds back together. In the days of the biblical authors, the apostles uh, Peter and Paul, um, this was seen in the lives of the ordinary people who decided to become new Christians. Uh, the gifts that they had been given by the Spirit literally changed the social fabric of Rome. In spite of the brutality of the Roman emperor, uh, Empire, uh, it actually came to a point that the 4th century Roman emperor, uh, emperor Julian feared that their behaviour would threaten taking over the empire. He wrote this in a letter to his officials. We must pay special attention to this point and by this means effect a cure. For when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, uh, that I think uh, the uh, impious Christians observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. And they have gained ascendancy in the worst of their deeds through the credit they win for such practices. For just as those who entice children in with cake uh, and by throwing, them to, uh, by throwing it to them two or three times, inducing them to follow, and then when they are far away from their friends, they cast them aboard ships and sell them as slaves. But the same method, I say, the Christians also begin with their so-called love feast or hospitality or service of tables. For they have many ways of carrying it out and hence they call it by different names. And as the result is that they have led many people into Christianity. Basically, what this Roman emperor is saying is this. The Christians are out there loving people and people like it and we don't know what to do. And in other accounts, this emperor Julian spoke about the embarrassment that the Christians put on the Roman Empire and how they looked after the poor uh, and how the poor who weren't part of their communities still came to them and they were still looked after. And this was more than just some kind of evangelistic tactic. This came from a deep-rooted filling of the Holy Spirit, which in turn compelled them beyond reason, all whilst facing the persecution of the Roman Empire. 
And the reason we know this is that after writing this, the Emperor Julian actually set out a whole bunch of Roman legislation in motion so that people would have to take care of the poor and the orphans. Shelters were set up for travellers and the homeless, and effectively food banks were created for the hungry. The problem, though, is that it wasn't long before this utterly failed. People didn't have the dedication and the will. They just couldn't do it in the same way as the Christians could do it. Not because there was anything special about the Christians in of themselves, but because the Holy Spirit was working within them, giving them good gifts. And so the world is put back together in a way that the world just couldn't keep up with. You know, I've seen this in my own life as well. Uh, about six years ago, I was asked to come and do an assembly at a local school um, and sort of share a little bit around my faith and a little bit around answers to prayer. Uh, now, for me, uh, I didn't really fully know how it was going to go. I hadn't really done an assembly before, but I can remember driving to this school and just praying a really simple prayer. And I can remember praying it. I just prayed, hey, God, could you just do something this morning that I've just never seen before? Could you just do something miraculous that I've never seen before? And I prayed, Holy Spirit, would you just move within the school that I'm going to speak to? And for me, I'd sat in loads of school assemblies growing up, being kind of a little bit bored. I wasn't actually really expecting anything to happen, but I went and I just went and shared some answers to prayer that I'd experienced in my own life. I'm not really expecting anyone necessarily to believe it or see it. Um, and I kind of just shared a little bit around uh, my own faith and my own belief, not really expecting or asking anyone to believe or think the same. But what happened afterwards, I can just remember thinking, no way, like, shut up, this just isn't, like, this just can't happen. Because afterwards, people would come up and there was lines of people coming up asking for prayer, asking to know more. Now, this wasn't just me giving a good bit of communication or a good speech. Like, it just wasn't that good. I know it. But something happened that morning where the Holy Spirit came down and spoke to these people. And in this assembly hall, there were like prayer groups being set up as people were coming around asking for, for prayer for the different things going on in their lives. And I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. It was just something that I'd never seen before. It was just this tangible sense that the Holy Spirit was wanting to come and give good gifts to people in that room. And as I was walking down the corridors with a couple of members of staff afterwards, I had to go to the staff room, there were these kids who had come out of the room and said, listen, I didn't come up after the woods of the assembly uh, like loads of other people did, but I need you to pray for my family. And this one girl in particular came up to me and just says, I need you to pray for my family, uh, and my brother and my sister. And so we kind of prayed for a little bit and the staff members were there and, uh, and they were fine with it too. And it was all okay. But I went uh, back afterwards and I had a friend who worked for the school and I was sort of explaining what was happening and around how something had happened that I'd never seen before. And this person just looked at me and said, who came out? Who came out of that classroom and, and asked for prayer and I kind of described them. And I can't describe the family situation that that girl was going through, but what I can say it was the most horrific, unbelievable situation I've ever heard before. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit came and said, listen, I see you, I know you, and I want you to know that I see you and I know you and I want your life to be better. I want you to experience me and I want to draw you close. Listen, there is a Holy Spirit who wants to give you good gifts to try and grow in and explore in and step out with boldness into, if only you'd receive it. What is your response to the gifts that are on offer to you? Is it something that you just think, no way, shut up, I can't believe this, that you want to use, that you want to go out and explore? 
whether it's a gift of hospitality, whether it's a gift of engineering or a gift of whatever it is that God wants to ignite to bring you closer to him and to bring lightness into the darkest of places. Or are you going to ignore it? Because there are people's hearts at stake. There is a broken world at stake that God wants to bring you into to make a difference in. And the Holy Spirit wants to work within you and bring change that we can't bring change, uh, that we can't bring just by ourselves. Let me pray for us. And as I pray, I want to ask that you might just make a moment just right now and listen in and pray with me that God might reveal to you the gifts that he wants to impart on you. Let me pray for us. Father, you are a God who wants to give good gifts to us. Gifts that speak personally to us. And Father, the greatest gift that you want to give us, after the grace that we've received, the grace that we can receive through Jesus, is your Holy Spirit. So Father, thank you for grace. Thank you that we can come close. And Lord, as we do come close, I want to ask that you would impart your Holy Spirit, your personal presence among us that gives us power to live in the way in which you want us to live. And Lord, thank you that with that comes good gifts, amazing gifts. Gifts that helps put the world back together. Gifts that could go beyond our comprehension to allow us to do things beyond our imagination. And so Father, for those of us right now who are perhaps sitting and thinking, but not me, or it could only be this. Father, would you reveal right now? Would you send your spirit to reveal to us right now what is that gift that you want to grow within us that could go beyond our comprehension? And as we go out into the world, as we live our lives, the next opportunity to explore that, to step out a little bit, to receive some of the power of your Holy Spirit who wants to work within us and around us. Would you tap on the shoulders of our hearts and so that we would recognize that for the opportunity that it is. And would you give us the boldness to step out in the way in which you want us to step out? Lord, you are a good God who gives good gifts, who offers us a Holy Ghost to walk with us, to guide us and to strengthen us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.